and welcome to 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. I'm your host, Rachel Vogel, and joining me tonight is Adam Reamer, head of digital marketing at Electra Music Group. Adam began his career working for the band Lincoln Park as an assistant at their company, Machine Shop. Shortly after, he started interacting with their fans online through chat rooms and message boards and worked closely with the management team to support all of their digital marketing initiatives. He launched the band's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook accounts, and later ran all of their socials and surpassed 50 million combined followers in the span of just a few years. In 2013, he began working for Warner Records, working with artists like Lincoln Park, My Chemical Romance, Michael Buble, and Disturbed, and in his current role, leading the digital team at Electra, which includes Field by Ramen and Roadrunner Records, he's had the opportunity to work with artists like 21 Pilots, Alec Benjamin, Slipknot, and many, many more. So with all that said, Adam, so great to have you join me. How's it going? Hi, Rachel. It's nice to be here. Thanks for asking me to be on. Of course. All right. Well, are you ready to dive into the three questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. Imagine for a second you're sitting down with your 25-year-old self. What one piece of advice would you give him on a personal note? And what one piece of advice would you give him from a business perspective? You know, on a personal note, for me, looking back, and I try to remind myself this too now, like I'm, I'm originally from the Midwest and all of my best friends are all from when I grew up. I, my best friends are people I've known since I was like five. And I think when I was coming up in my career and I moved to Los Angeles, um, you know, sometimes they would go on a trip and I would be like, well, I, I can't, I live all the way out here. And, um, you know, or a, a, a family event would happen. And it's like, well, I, I am going to miss that wedding. Sorry, I'm out here. Um, and, you know, again, I still remind myself to this day, like buy the plane ticket, um, you know, buy the plane ticket, spend time with the people you love. Um, you, you know, those opportunities are going to come and go. And there are so many times I wish in the past I would have bought the plane ticket and gone to spend extra time with my friends, you know, before they got married and had kids and we all moved on with our lives. Now it's a lot harder. Um, I'm actually next week, all of my best friends and I are, we rented a house in Michigan and we're all going to go hang out there for a long weekend. And it's now we have to make that time. Um, but that's definitely something I would have, um, uh, I'd, I'd tell myself like, Hey, just, just, just pay the 250 bucks and, and fly, uh, fly back to Illinois for a weekend. Professionally, I would say, um, don't worry about what others are doing. You know, I think this is something that's really common, especially in our industry, but probably every industry of you, you compare yourself to others constantly and, oh, well, this person and I, we interned together and they've surpassed me based on title or where you think they're at in their career. And, you know, I think a lot of that is very surface level. Um, and it's also, you, you can't control them. You can only control yourself. And if you're just constantly pitting yourself up against um, your friends or, or again, people maybe you interned with or were an assistant with, you're, you're just going to make yourself miserable. And I always tell people, just focus on yourself and focus on your career. And if you're not happy with what you're doing, that's okay. Figure something else out or move to some other company or some other part of the company. Um, but, you know, worrying about where other people are at in their careers compared to yourself, you're just going to drive yourself absolutely crazy. Again, something I, I have to remind myself of constantly to this day, but I, you know, I wish I would have reminded myself of that, um, you know, for the last 17 years or so as well. Would you say since you started off working directly with the band and then you kind of pivoted to the label side of things, 
but you've been in digital the whole time. Would you say that it's harder or easier to work in digital when you're working directly with the band or at the Mm. record label? I don't know that one's harder or easier, but each come with their own challenges and each come with their own advantages. You know, when I was with the band, if I needed something to get done with them, I would just send them a text or give them a Mm. phone call or send them an email. Um, you had that direct access or I had full control over their socials. So often I, if I had a crazy idea, I would just go with it. And maybe like Mike Shinoda would text me and be like, Hey, I saw you posted this on the Lincoln Park account. That's funny. And at the label, you know, you're most, I do have personal relationships with um, most of the artists, but I also want to be respectful of the managers. You know, I know that the position managers are in and um, I want to make sure I'm never going around them and that you build good relationships with the managers, that they trust you. Um, you know, I wouldn't want them to go around me at the label. So I I really want to respect them and not go around them to get directly to the artist. And sometimes the manager's like, you know, just text the artist. It's fine. Um, but in most cases, I want to make sure that the manager feels that I'm involving them and we're, we're, we're a team. Um, and that's really incredibly important to me. And before we jump into the next question, is working in music something that you always wanted to do or did you just kind of like fall into it? You know, I was always around music. My dad was a music teacher, um, played music in the house. Um, I got a drum set when I was like three. (laughs) So I loved music, um, but then I fell in love with sports. And so I was really into sports. And then um, I discovered Green Day in eighth grade and that like changed everything for me. Um, That's when I bought a guitar and decided to like start a punk rock band. Um, you know, I never felt like it was an option. I thought I was going to be a rock star. Um, but like I, I wasn't good enough. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I studied political science in college and realized like that was a stupid idea. Um, I don't know what my favorite TV show is the West wing. And I think that's the only reason I study political science. I'm not even joking. (laughs) Um, and one day I had this revelation coming back from a political theory class of like, I want to work in music. And I called my parents. I was a junior in college and they were like, yeah, so let's figure out how to do that. And I transferred to a school and studied music business and got a degree in music business. Um, so that's kind of how it happened. It, was, it wasn't it was something I went to college for initially or thought I would ever do. I'd never really thought I'd be here, to be honest. That's awesome. All right. Next question. Every industry has its dirty little secrets. And you and I both know that that is no different in the music industry. Sometimes people think that's a bad thing, but that's not always the case. Sometimes they can be good. What's one secret you would like to share with our listeners about the industry? I tell interns this all the time. Um, I tell people when I speak at like a college class, I tell them this all the time. And that is that it's not that hard to get your foot in the door of the music industry. The hardest part is sticking through the tough times to stay in it. I can't tell you how many interns I've had over the last 17 years or people I've given opportunities to or connected with somebody. And all I can do is unlock a door or or maybe even show someone a door. I'm not going to walk through it for them. I'm not going to kick the door down for them. I'm not going to search for the key for them. That's up to them and only them to decide that that's what they want to do. And I really firmly believe that if you really want to work in the music industry, you can absolutely do it. There's a million ways in, especially now. I mean, goodness, we find kids who are posting on TikTok, making these crazy pieces of content. And it's like... I want to hire those people like tomorrow. Mm. 
but you know, people have to, um, you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to work. And, you know, when I came up, I as an assistant for Lincoln Park, like that was a really tough job that like I wanted to quit a lot of times. I would walk and be like, what am I doing? And thank God I didn't because I learned so much being an assistant. Um, and then they elevated me. They supported me. They, you know, they really gave me my career. Um, but I had to work really hard for it. And and again, I would, I've, I've had a lot of interns that I'm like, you could be great, but I can't do it for you. And it's those really great ones who come and, um, you know, I've got a few who, who have just blown me away and I'm like, oh, you're going to be just fine. Like I'll, I'll say, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And they go, great. I did X, Y, and Z, but I also did these additional things that I think might be better. Um, and you know, they, they're go-getters and, um, the, those people are going to have really great successful careers. I, they're going to surpass me. Some of them already have. And I love that. I love looking around and be like, oh man, that guy was my intern. And like, he's just running stuff now. Like that's my favorite thing in the world. I'm like the biggest cheerleader of that stuff. I remember the intern days. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh, good times. All right. Last question. Throughout your career, I can only imagine that you've been asked plenty of questions, whether for industry conferences, the media, or even a promotion. But throughout all of those interviews and all of those questions, there has to be one that you've never been asked but would have liked to. So what is that question and what would be your answer? This is so crazy, Rachel, because I was thinking about this and it, and I got and I had one. I was like, oh, I have I I have the perfect answer here. And the next day I was speaking to a class at UCLA. And someone asked me the question and I stopped <laughs> oh them gosh. and I said, wait a minute. And I told them about your podcast. And I said, this is the craziest thing ever. I was just thinking no one's ever asked me this. And you wow. just asked me verbatim. So um, someone has asked me this as of like a week ago, um, but no one else has in 17 years. And I think it's a great question. I ask this question often to people when I'm interviewing for an open position. I think it's a, it's a, a question about how you learn about yourself. But And that question is, you know, what's your biggest failure or what's the worst day of your career? Um, I think you learn more in failure than you do in wins. Um, I know I have. Um, and those could be two very different you know, what's your biggest failure is could be very different than what's the worst day of your career. For me, they they kind of are, you know, for my my biggest failure, there's a, there's a couple I think about when I was working for Lincoln Park. Their band was putting out this album called The Thousand Sons, and they were going to play this show at the Best Buy Theater in New York. I don't even know if it's Best Buy Theater anymore, but it's a small theater and they hadn't played a small theater in years. And so we were going to do a thing just for their fan club members. You get first access. And essentially that would sell out the show. So it would be full of fan club members. And there was a ticket code that we had to give them. And I was responsible for sending that email to the fans. And I forgot to send the email and I get to work the next day. And I hadn't, I didn't even think about it. And I get an email from the manager saying the show is sold out. And I was like, oh no. Oh no. And fans had figured out the code and it sold out. And the fan club was like, Hey, we never got the email. What's going on. And I remember thinking, okay, how do I cover myself here? Well, who can I blame? And eventually it was like, you can't dude, you just got to own this. So I marched right into my boss's office and I go, hi, um, I really screwed up. And I thought I was going to get fired. Like literally on the spot. I was like, that's it. I'm going to get fired. And, um, she said, what happened? I go, I just forgot. I just didn't do it. I just completely forgot. It slipped my mind. I had a crazy weekend. I just forgot. And to her credit, she says, okay, let's figure out how to fix it. And I was just like, oh, whoa, that's, 
that's crazy. Um, you know, she could have sat there and screamed at me, but that wasn't going to fix anything. I already felt terrible. It was clear I felt terrible. And instead we worked through it and we found a solution that we had some tickets held and we blasted it out to the fan club and a lot of fan club members still got to go. Um, so that was, that was a really, I think, important lesson for me of just like own your mistakes. Like it's okay. And then someone, the kid actually at the UCLA actually asked me, what was your worst day of your career? And that to me was the day that Chester passed away, uh, from Lincoln park. You know, I worked with those guys for a long time and that was, um, it was a terrible, terrible morning getting that phone call from that same boss. I thought was going to fire me that day is the one who called me and told me before I saw anything on social media. Um, and, you know, I think it's also one of those moments that I saw the fans come together after that. And I got to be a part of that with the fans and how they all united and supported the band together and the families together. So um, while I while it was a terrible, terrible, awful day, I also kind of look back on that week a bit fondly just in how the fans reacted to it. So, um, you know, and again, something I've taken with me and learned that like, hey, the fans are everything and we need to treat them we need to treat them with a lot of respect because they gave us this career. So, yeah, totally. And I think you bring up a good lesson before about with your boss and like being so afraid to tell her, but I feel like sometimes it's best to almost own up to your mistakes because the Just people that don't own up to their mistakes are the ones that get fired. That's the thing, you know, like, it's pretty obvious when you're just lying or throwing someone under the bus. And I've got a lot of respect when someone says, Hey man, I just screwed up. Like let's fix it. I, I want to fix this, but I, I, I'm sorry that I screwed that up. I help me fix this. You can't, you can't argue with that really, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So real quick, before we close it out, since you talked about the worst day of your career, what was the best? Oh, that's a good <laughs> question too. What was the best day of my career? So far, uh obviously more to come. Yeah, of course. Well, I don't, uh, you know what? I'll tie right back to that same period of time um, when I almost got fired, which is a few months before that, was when we were, the band finished A Thousand Sons. We took the fans to Warner to listen to the album for the first time. And, and the fans are all sitting around the conference room listening to the brand new album that no one else had heard. And one of the guys from Warner pulled out the CD. This is 2010. So CDs are still really whatever. And he pulls it out. He's passing it around. And I open and I flip through the pages and there, I go to the thank yous and my name is in there. And I was just like, oh, my Oh my God. It was such a surreal thing to see my name in a major label Lincoln Park CD booklet. I just, again, something I never thought would happen that it was such a, it was such an amazing day. I still have a text from my dad who passed away about 10 years ago, but I still have a text from him saved that says, I just saw your name in the liner notes. Like I've got a lump in my throat. So um, that's a really good day. Yeah. What a great way to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, thanks so much for joining me and to thanks everyone listening. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Stay tuned for next week of 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. See you next time.